Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I am the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes, Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends and ask them questions about their story and path of the games. It's pretty incredible and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Today, we have another U.S. field hockey member, Kathleen Sharkey. Uh, she's an Olympian from 2016 and is going to be competing in the upcoming Pan American Games with a potential Olympic bid on the line. Kathleen was awesome. Kat was fantastic. She was wonderful to talk to, very charismatic, has great stories, and really know how to work the microphone, so we're very happy about that. Um, she graduated from Princeton University, where she owns just about every single offensive record, it looks like, in the Princeton field hockey books. It's incredible, and she capped off her four years at Princeton with an NCAA title. Um, so we get into all of that, obviously. We get into how she got into field hockey, what it was like, and, and explaining the sport a little bit. And then we talk about her um, time with Team USA as well, so very, very grateful that we have this opportunity and then obviously we spoke about the potential for the pan american games coming up and how the usa has a very good opportunity to secure their bid for the 2020 olympic games now um so without further ado here is kathleen all right today's special guest kathleen sharkey of usa field hockey 2016 olympian born april 30th 1990 in Music, Pennsylvania. She started playing field hockey at the age of 12. She also played and graduated from Princeton University. And while she was there, she won Rookie of the Year as well as a three-time first, that's a mouthful, three-time mm -hmm. first team All-American. Uh, named to the U.S. national team in 2011. Has won five medals internationally with the U.S., including two bronze, a silver, and two gold medals. As I said, a part of the 2016 Olympic team and is in about a week of recording, competing in the Pan American Games in Lima for a potential bid to the 2020 Olympic Games. Kat, thanks for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem. Believe me, you're the Olympian. I'm just the guy asking questions. The pleasure is all mine. Um, so if you don't mind, first, music. Awesome name for a town. Really curious who came up with that. But uh, tell us a little bit about growing up in Pennsylvania and uh, eventually getting into field hockey. Yeah, so I... I'm a middle child. I have an older brother and an older sister and then a younger brother, and we're all pretty close in age. Um, so all of us were into sports growing up. Um, I played pretty much everything. I started, I think, playing soccer in like a really mini league when I was like three or four. Um, and I joined a basketball league and I joined my brother, my older brother's baseball team. So those are like my three main sports growing up, um, rotating between each of them. Um, throughout the seasons. And then I also did gymnastics. I took ice skating lessons. I was kind of all over the place, um, not really specializing in any of them. Um, and then my older sister had played field hockey in junior high, and I was four years younger than her, so I was dragged around to all of her games. Um, and I think I saw like how much fun she was having being part of a field hockey team, how much fun like all of her friends were having as well. So I always said like when I got old enough, like I wanted to play field hockey like she did. And there wasn't too many youth field hockey opportunities where I was from. So I kind of was just waiting for my time until I got to junior high and I could join um, the school team. Um, so I finally did in seventh grade. Um, and I played just in that first season in the fall, and I didn't touch my stick again until the next year because, again, like I didn't really specialize in anything. Um, and then after my eighth grade season, I got the opportunity to join a club team, and I was so excited about that idea and immediately told my parents I wanted to sign up. Um, 
And I think since then, like I've been playing year round every week since then. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Well, for, first question, just out of curiosity, how many cars and hands did your parents have uh, driving four kids around to all these activities? And like, How did they possibly do that? That just sounds like I never had four kids. Yeah, a lot of coordinating, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of miles on the car for uh-huh. sure. Um, oh my goodness. But yeah. it, it worked out, obviously, um, because it, it led to you, your sister playing field hockey at one point, and obviously uh, you falling in love with the sport. Do, what, what was it about it? I mean, I know you were, what, 12 or whatever at the time, but like, what was it seeing, you know, either your sister on the field with her team? Like, what was it that you were so enamored that you were like, yeah, let me, let me add one more thing to the list of things I get to do every year? I don't really know exactly what it was. Um, I think I just saw like how much fun her and her friends were having um, together. And, um, and I think the sport was also just something different. It was um, something that I hadn't really seen too much except my sister playing. Um, so I think I was just attracted to the uniqueness of it, that it was something different. Um, I also was going to a new school in seventh grade. So I mm-hmm. wanted to join a uh, sports team in the fall to kind of meet make friends before the school year started. So I don't really think there was really like one thing that really made me want to play it. But I do think that the fact that it was like something different seems cool to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, as you said, going to a new school, if I'm not mistaken, because it's a fall league, it it kind of starts before the school year starts, or at least that's how I've seen it in certain cases. Yeah, exactly. So we had preseason before um, the school year started. So mm-hmm. I got to meet some people and have some friends going in, which was very nice. <laughs> yeah, you had somewhere to sit at lunch. Let's be honest, Kat. That's why exactly. we all know. That's why we all did it, right? Um, and that, that totally makes sense. I like that a lot. And again, you know, it's just an interesting, I've always found that um, every Olympic athlete that I've spoken with has had a not like, like almost like just a fork in the road situation where you could have easily just been like, no, it's cool. I'll keep playing baseball and softball and basketball and soccer and, and I'll be fine and I'll keep doing, it. I don't need to add something else. But, um, 12 year old you was like, no, 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 let's, let's try this out. And Hey, look at that. Um, what eight, nine years later, you're one of the best in the world at something. That's kind of cool. It's a pretty quick turnaround also, by the way, like it's pretty, um, pretty impressive. You were able to grow that much in the field. What, um, what would you attribute to your, I don't want to say meteoric rise that might be a little uh, dramatized, but like what, what would you attribute to your ability to first learn the sport? As you said, you didn't play it then for an entire another year. Cause that's just when the, the season was, and then really start to excel at something. So to the point where six years after playing, you're one of the best, um, you know, female athletes in college. Um, I think my background in a variety of sports definitely helped. Um, so I think I developed, you know, hand-eye coordination and quickness and footwork and all the other sports. Um, but I think that the fact that I didn't specialize in really any of the sports that I played when I was younger kind of made me, when I got a little bit older, I kind of craved wanting to specialize in something and really put all my focus and devotion towards one thing. So once I kind of had that opportunity to do that with field hockey, I I was all in and I was so motivated um, to play as much as I could. So every um, playing opportunity that came my way, I told my parents I'm signing up for that. And I would go home and Google like field hockey camps in the summer and and make my summer schedule of where I wanted to go and just tell my parents, okay, we're going to Boston this weekend and I'm going to Philadelphia like the next week for this camp. And so I think looking back on it, I, got so much out of every 
camp or clinic or league game that I went to because I wanted to be there for myself. Like no one was making me be there. My parents didn't force me to do anything. So I think I just got to a point where I wanted to focus and put all my hard work into one thing. So I was very passionate about it. Um, and so I got so much out of every camp or clinic that I went to. I love that. And clearly your parents were pretty okay with it. If uh, they were willing to drive you to Boston and then Philadelphia the next weekend. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Again, just, just adding a couple more miles to the card. Uh, but Hey, what's, what are, what are they for? Right. Drive your kids around everywhere. So I think that's awesome. Shout out to your parents. Thank you to them uh, for everything they've done. Clearly a huge influence and a huge um, opportunity driver. It looks like. So um, I love that. So thank you for, that's a really great little backstory we have there. So one thing I always like to do is, explain the sport a little bit. I know a lot of people that will be listening to this episode are fans of field hockey or fans of you already, but there will be some, um, you know, potentially call it a hundred plus people that really don't watch field hockey. They just love stories about Olympians. So one thing I always want to do is make sure that we're giving a little education as well. Um, so if you don't mind, just, I guess, giving us a little bit of a, I don't know, a foundation level of the sport of field hockey. So that way when we do watch it, um, watch you specifically at the uh, Pan American games next week, as of recording, uh, we'll actually know what we're paying attention to. Yeah, so it's definitely a sport that's compared to soccer um, quite frequently. So there's 10 field players on the field and a goalie. Um, whoever scores the most goals at the end of the game is the winner. Um, we play four 15-minute quarters at the international level. Um, our stick is flat on one side and rounded on the other, and you can only hit the ball with a flat side of the stick. So that's different than ice hockey where they can just use both sides of the stick. Um, we have a, um, a semicircle that starts on the end line and kind of goes up about 16 yards from the baseline. And the ball has to be touched by an attacking player in that circle before it goes in the goal or the goal does not count. Um, and we have forwards, midfielders, and defenders as position, positions. Um, tactically, um, it does have some soccer tactics in there. Um, but yeah, there's, that's pretty much the basics. You can't use your feet or your body, just the stick. <laughs> nice and easy. Um, yeah. One question I have, why is the stick shaped the way it is with that little like candy cane at the end? Is there a reason to that, or is it just for aesthetics? Um. I'm not really sure exactly of the reason. Um, I feel like as I know looking, I've seen pictures of sticks played in the early days of field hockey and that hook was very dramatic. Like it curved in and it was a lot longer. Um, and it's kind of short as it, the stick has evolved. It's got a little shorter. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure exactly why. It's just kind of one of the unique things about the sport is our stick. <laughs> I do love it. I've always just been curious. It always reminds me of candy canes. Um, and with Christmas in July coming up pretty soon, um, I'm all pumped for it. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, I guess I can see the um, the correlation to soccer, uh, again, with the, the midfielders, forwards, defensemen. I think it is interesting that you have to not just shoot, but it has to touch an attacking player's stick before it goes into goal in that area. So I guess you can't just be launching long range shots all game. You actually have to play offense and do something which is always important and always great so i do love that um so thank you so much for that as well now next week or um probably as of today when most people are hopefully going to be listening uh we'll be able to watch you and actually know what we're saying so i really appreciate that Kat. that was great um so after junior high you play for a couple years then you go into high school uh, i'm assuming you just kept getting better and better when did the recruiting process start to take a hold and and people started reaching out to you and why Princeton 
just out of curiosity? Um, so I think the recruiting process when I was in high school, um, we, you couldn't really get contacted by coaches until your junior year. I believe it was September 1st of your junior year. Um, I think some of the rules have changed since then, though, because I know the recruiting process seems to start earlier and earlier nowadays. Um, but I would definitely say my junior year is when I really was hearing from um, all the colleges and um, starting to really um, take it more seriously in terms of making a decision, um, narrow down my list um, and visit different schools. Um, Princeton was always on my radar. I had gone to their camps. Um, I think maybe going into my freshman year of high school, I went to the Princeton camp. Um, it's only about two hours from where I live. Um, so it's a nice distance. And I looked at a wide variety of schools, but Princeton just was always on my list. And I really couldn't find any negatives about it from my perspective. It really had everything that I wanted. Um, I loved the coaching staff. Um, I, the team was very competitive, um, and I felt like I could get the, um, what I, I could get what I was looking for academically as well, um, which was important to me. Um, and I loved the campus. I just fell in love with it. And I, so I did look at a lot of other schools to just compare them to Princeton. And at the end of the day, like Princeton just had everything that I wanted, um, and all the factors that were important to me. So. I kind of knew early on deep down that it was going to be Princeton, but I did look at other schools as well. I was going to say, once, uh, once you start comparing everything else to Princeton, it sounds like you're really looking for reasons not to go there rather than to go to Princeton or not to go um, there and to go to Princeton for that reason. So I think that that's uh, very smart. And yeah, I mean, academically, you could say they're relatively good, I guess. Um, you know, uh, that Ivy League school thing is, is pretty important. Me being from New Jersey and living about 20 minutes from Princeton, I hear about it all the time. And it is, it's an incredible place. Princeton itself is wonderful. Just the town is, is incredible. The people I love. Um, but yeah, the school obviously is, is incredible. So congratulations on A, getting in, um, and B, being able to, you know, dominate while you were there. Um, the list was too long, uh, but you hold what seems like every offensive record in Princeton field hockey history. Um, that is incredible. Again, starting in seventh grade and then immediately, you know, your first year at Princeton becoming the rookie of the year. And then after that, I had that mouthful of three-time first team All-American. That doesn't happen by mistake. And we kind of went over how you were able to um, increase your your ability so much and so quickly. But at the same time, I mean, that is that is crazy. You were able to do that. I mean, what, like I know I've asked already, but like what can you possibly attribute to just being – that great that quickly at something and then finally like just kind of having it click and oh also by the way you're extremely smart you went to Princeton um I think I was very lucky as well that I um my high school that I went to was a strong field hockey program so I think that I got some really great coaching right away which was um very helpful um and I also the club that I played for had some really great athletes um play for that club um two girls who were on the Rio Olympic field hockey team with me also played um, for my club and one of them played for my high school. So I think I was also surrounded by such great athletes, which, um, you know, wanting to keep up, wanting to get better and stay up with everyone else, like really inspired me to keep working hard. And um, when you're just playing with such great athletes who definitely were ahead of me when I first started playing, because they had been playing for longer. Um, I think, helped me advance my game a little quicker than normal, I would say. 
That is awesome. Very political answer. Very humble. I love it. Um, and I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Competition breeds excellence. Um, I personally don't believe in luck though. That is one thing I don't believe in. You put yourself in great situations, um, and you reap the benefits from it. And clearly you were able to do that, um, significantly over your time. So, uh, you also, do you, do you remember some of the records by any chance, um, that you hold at Princeton just off the top of your head? <laughs> um, I mean, not off the top of my head. No. All right, all right. We won't, we won't, we won't <laughs> dive down that rabbit hole then. All right. In case anybody is curious, definitely check it out um, because the list is very long and it's very impressive. So congratulations again. Many, um, many, many, many thanks and gratitude there for, for crushing it at Princeton. And you were on the team that was able to bring the first NCAA field hockey title, if I'm not mistaken, to Princeton. Was that your senior year? Yes. What was that like after that? Like that, that is the best way to end a senior year, obviously, because, you know, you're going out on style. But the, the culmination of four years being there, I mean, during that time you were put on the uh, U.S. national team as well, if I'm not mistaken, the development mm -hmm. team, and then the senior team. I think that uh, the timeline lines up. But what is that like, you know, spending so much time, especially with your senior class, and then obviously the class below you, you're spending, you know, three quarters of your time with. I mean, what was that like ending up? finally, you know, having your last game be a win in college, because that doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah, it was definitely a nice way to end your college career, um, to be happy and smiling after your last game, rather than sad and upset. Um, so I'm thankful for that, for sure. But um, it was really special. We, um, every year that I was at Princeton, our goal was to win the national championship. Um, and we started out my freshman year, we lost in overtime in the Elite Eight. My sophomore year, we made it to the Final Four, lost in the semifinals. Junior year, lost in the tournament, I think the Elite Eight as well. So we, we got kind of close the earlier years. Um, and to just finally put it all together and have that, se that season that we had during my senior year um, was just amazing. Um, the team was so close that year and um, just had a great – amount of love for each other and the sport and the team and I think we were just like very passionate and really just had so much fun throughout the whole season um so honestly it was just amazing and um yeah I couldn't be more thankful that it ended the way it did <laughs> yeah that's a very very few uh collegiate athletes on their career with a win um so I think that that's very incredible that you were able to do that was there ever you know sometimes people talk about like you know they had a feeling uh was there ever that like magical kind of feeling that you had obviously you guys had some pretty sustained success while you were there to you know three three times making it to at least the quarterfinals in the entire country um mm -hmm. so like did you have that feeling throughout the year that you were like uh, this feels like our year I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna finally you know break through um yeah I think I we all kind of knew it was a special team we had a lot of talent um we actually had I was on the national team at that point and there were three other girls who were on the national team as well. So we definitely had talent. Um, but I think the difference was that year, like I mentioned, just the culture off the field um, was so special. And like I said, like we just trusted each other and believed in each other as well, which I think can really go a long way. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, three members of the senior national team in one spot, um, and that sounds, sounds pretty unfair to the rest of the schools, but I guess that's just their fault for not recruiting better. Um, I, actually, a quick question about Princeton as well. Like, what was it like having to or getting to um, balance, obviously, a very rigorous academic career with, you know, being one of the best field hockey teams in the nation? I feel like when I was in college, I could barely make it through just the academic side, let alone try and do recreational sports on the weekends. So I'm kind of curious, how were you able to 
balance that out uh, to also make sure that you had a good time because right college best four years of your life. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was definitely challenging um, to balance um, playing a sport and academics, but I think um, you know, it's all through high school, I was balancing so many different things as well. Um, all the traveling with the U.S. junior U.S. teams and club teams and tournaments and your high school teams. So I felt, kind of felt like I developed good time management skills in high school um, that I think were really helpful, obviously, in college. Um, but yeah, I think it's just being able to balance your time. And um, I'm someone who can I don't mind like reading on a bus or doing homework or writing a paper on a bus. So I think that's a useful skill if you can do that. Yes, <laughs> Make that, the most of it every minute you have. I completely agree. The only thing we don't get more of is time. So use it when you can. Um, exactly. So I, on most long car rides, I try and get my girlfriend to drive one way so that I can sit on my laptop and do some work. I mean, if it's an hour and a half, just sitting there anyway, might as well do something with it. So totally agree with you there. That is awesome. So congratulations on your entire career at Princeton. Again, anybody listening, please go look up these records. It's actually pretty ridiculous. I think it's amazing that you're able to just crush it um, constantly through your four years there. Again, three-time first-team All-American. Uh, there's a reason for that. So during your time at Princeton you, is actually when you were, I guess, put on or recruited for uh, the development team for the United States 2010, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, so that was your junior year, right? Yes. And then 2011, you were put on the uh, senior national team. So you went through the recruiting process with college. What is the recruiting process like for the national team and potentially going to the Olympics? I feel like it's more rigorous. Uh, you know, how, how does that whole process work? And to eventually be put on the development team, obviously, is a, a huge honor. But the senior team is, you know, there you go. You're, you're one of the best in the world. Um, so when I was in college, the process of making the national team was a little different than it is right now. Um, so when I was in college, there was a tournament held every summer and it was comprised of regional teams and those teams were the best players from that region. Um, and then the regional teams would just play in like a round robin tournament and the national team coaches would watch every game, watch the whole tournament. And at the end of the tournament would name the national team and name the development team. Um, so that's how I was named to both the development team in 2010 and then the national team in 2011. Um, now the format's a little different. They just have a weekend trial. It's about three days in January and um, the girls are put through drills and scrimmages and some fitness testing and the national team coaches watch that and then select. So a little different. Um, yeah. But that's very, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine I'll never be in that position ever. Um, unless it's for podcasters, hopefully crush me before. Um, but what like that, that is a very, the first way that the, that you made it is just a very, it sounds really unorthodox. Um, to, that's how you choose the team. Uh, I mean, obviously it works, but I've never heard a national team of any sort really chosen like that. It's more so the, the, the ladder of the, the training camps, the drills, the scrimmages and that kind of thing. I mean, so what, what was that tournament like? I mean, you're playing with girls that you don't normally play with. Uh, do you have some practice time to at least figure out, you know, do you go left or right in certain situations? How did those round robin games, because I could see that being very sloppy and hard to kind of figure out who was the best on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, well, the regional teams would train together um, throughout the spring. So you okay. definitely were familiar, a little bit familiar with mm -hmm. the player um, on your team. Um, but yeah, I actually would prefer the way I did it as opposed to a trial because you could kind of just focus on the tournament. And even though there was no 
real prize whoever you know won this tournament but everyone kind of definitely worked really hard and in the back of their mind definitely was thinking about selections but you could try and take your mind off that by just focusing on the tournament itself um so for some people and myself probably included it was helpful um kind of didn't seem as stressful as maybe just a formal tryout like they have now i guess that makes sense too because like what better way to see if you're good at playing than playing right you know a a combine's great but you know i'm a big nfl fan um but at the same time just because you have great measurables doesn't mean you're going to agree you know, the best player, like physically watching someone on the field is always the best way to do it. So I guess from that regard, it absolutely does make sense. Just very, and, and now knowing that there's, you know, the, the regional teams would get together and practice continuously. That also makes a lot more sense now too. So that's very cool though. And that's, so then, so that happened every year. So now that you've been on the national team for what, seven, eight years at this point, do you still have to try out and go to those trials or is it kind of, are you kind of just written on the list at this point? Um, yeah, we don't have the current members of the national team don't have to go to the um, okay. trial. Um, but we are constantly being, you know, evaluated oh, and given feedback every day. So, uh, yeah, so luckily we don't have to go to the trial. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, I could see that right. uh, being pretty nice. So, um, so it makes sense how you were able to jump from the development team to the senior team in one year. Um, what was first, what was it like being named to the development team, understanding that you're, you're just that much closer to a potential goal of making it to the Olympics? Yeah, I remember being um, very, very excited when they called my name. Um, it was kind of, like you said, just the first step to um, this path of making it to the national team and ultimately the Olympics. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I remember I was ecstatic. I, it was a big jump definitely to finally get on that development team and, and to be included in um, the mix of the national team, even though I wasn't officially on it, but I got to go to some trainings um, and just kind of was more in the loop with the national team, um, which was very cool. That is awesome. And then, so then the next year you competed in the tournament again. Um, and obviously they saw enough growth to put you onto the senior national team again. What was just understanding now, like you're, you are one of the best in the entire country at something that's gotta be a pretty cool feeling, right? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I was absolutely, um, just so happy and um, excited about it. Um, to officially, it's something that you, work towards um your whole life as a field hockey player and the um I mean everything you do from um when you first start playing in the U.S. field hockey system they're always referencing the national team and the Olympics and um so just to finally be on to name to that roster um was just amazing that is that is super cool what there's how many how many girls make the roster um it ranges from about maybe 23 to 28 somewhere in there I would say all right. Top yeah. 28 in the country. That's pretty darn cool, Kat. That's pretty darn cool. So congratulations on that. Obviously very well-deserved. Um, I just think that's incredible. So then what those first few international events on the development team, as well as the senior team, what were those like? I mean, I guess, you know, I recently spoke with Alyssa Manley and, and she was saying, you know, going from, you know, high school to college is, is a huge jump. And then college to the, the international circuit is, again, you know, just as exponentially big. What were those first few competitions like uh, when you were facing women uh, from other countries and starting to realize like, whoa, okay, I'm, I'm really good at college, but here is, you know, this is a different level. Yeah, it's definitely a huge jump from college to international. Um, and I remember just in my first game, just noticing immediately how fast the game was and how different it was from college. Um, 
And yeah, it was just, just definitely a, a step up in terms of just the strength of the athletes I was competing against and their speed and their quickness and strength of shots. Um, everything was just on a whole new level. Um, so I definitely was a little overwhelmed in the beginning. Um, but, um, you know, we, we train so hard and we try and match that level of training, match that level of games in training um, to prepare for that. So once I kind of was able to get used to it in training, um, it slowly started getting a little easier, but it definitely was very fast at first. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it's going to happen. You'll slowly get acclimated with the speed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, very difficult, especially to do multiple times in throughout your career. But now you're pretty much, uh, for, for lack of a better term, you're stuck there now. Um, you're going to continue competing there. And we, mm-hmm. uh, we really do appreciate that. And thank you for obviously representing our country in the Olympics and then all over the world, um, while you are competing. So we really do appreciate that as well. Um, do you remember like what that first game was like a little bit and how, uh, like, almost flabbergasted, I guess you were to kind of see it firsthand, um, and realize like, I kind of have to pick up my game a little bit. Uh, yeah, I remember, um, my first cap, um, which is international appearance, um, was in Germany, I believe. And yeah, I can still remember it. It was like, I guess it was eight years ago now, but yeah, I definitely remember, um, some of the feelings and thoughts that were going through my head in my first shift. (laughs) Luckily hasn't felt like that since, but good. Uh, yeah. Experience. Yes. That's yes. What, what, what were some of them? What were some of those thoughts and feelings that you were having? Cause again, this is, this is a huge, huge step for you now being on international and, you know, hoping to be there for a long time, such like as you've been. Yeah. I mean, I think you're definitely just like running around a little bit with your head cut off mm-hmm. and you just kind of seem a step, you feel a step off, a step behind. Um, and definitely winded for sure <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the speed of the game. That's, um, oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Did you score in your first game? No, I don't think I did in my first game. Um, I remember on the first tour I was had that I was um, selected for, which was in Germany, and we played maybe four or five games against them. I think I scored at some point in that tour, but it wasn't the first game. So. Very cool, very cool. So hopefully one of these days you'll have um, the the uh, U.S. team record for the most goals, if I'm not mistaken, most points. So that would be fantastic. Um, and then, so in 2015, in the lead-up, right around when was this in the summer if i'm not mistaken summer yeah is when you broke your ankle um which is a pretty terrible time because 2016 was the olympics it's obviously in the summer so if you break it in the end of 15 it's going to be kind of difficult uh to get back obviously you did but um what was that experience like uh obviously kind of i don't want to say feeling helpless but there's really nothing you can do but wait right you can you can rehab and do everything but you kind of just have to wait for the bone to heal so what happened there and then what was that process like um again just leading up to the olympic games yeah it was really hard um it happened about two two days before we were supposed to leave for the pan american games in toronto it was that year and i was selected for the team excited to go and then in one of our last practices um I broke my ankle pretty bad, tore a lot of the ligaments in my ankle, um, and I had to get surgery. And yeah, I was definitely feeling a little bit helpless um, about the situation because at that point, there's nothing you can do besides get the surgery and heal and move forward. Um, Yeah, and I was out till about the beginning of, or middle of November, I think, right around Thanksgiving, I came back to playing. and that was my first major injury. It was the first bone I ever even broke. Um, 
So it was a new experience for me, um, all new. Um, and yeah, it was definitely on my mind as well that the Olympics were less than a year away. And I was sitting out for like four months at least, um, you know, losing fitness, losing strength, falling behind every day. So it was very hard mentally as well. Um, but I kind of just chose to try and be as positive as I could in that situation um, and just try and be grateful for the fact that, you know, it's an injury that will get better. It's not, it wasn't a career ending injury and kind of just focus on little things like that that could keep me motivated and thankful for what I did have. Um, and yeah, I just tried to focus as much as I could on my rehab every day. Um, the rehab for that was pretty intense, just trying to get the strength back and the mobility back in my ankle. Um, but yeah, I mean, all I could do was choose positivity and just try and get back as safely and as healthily as I could um, and then see where I was at in November when I came back. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's really all you can do. And my, one of my questions was going to be, you know, what, um, how did you deal with it mentally? But it sounds like, as you said, you just tried to stay as positive as possible. I mean, negative thoughts are going to get you nowhere, um, you know, so there's really no point in having them. Um, you know, so staying positive is definitely the, the best way to do it. So great job killing it uh, and keep doing that. But um, yeah, especially because it happened right before the Pan American Games, did that, and knowing, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a bit, but knowing that by winning the Pan American Games, you pretty much secure your bid to the Olympics. What was that specific feeling like, especially as you said, it was two days before, I think you said you're relieving. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much did the team try and rally around you and do it for you versus just kind of just trying to hunker down and saying, all right, well, one of our best players isn't going to be here. Well, now we have to figure out how exactly we can do everything we were going to do, just, you know, one person down. Um, yeah, I just tried to support them as best I could from home, um, you know, send little messages here and there of um, encouragement and good luck. Um, yeah, and they, they did so well in that tournament. So I was so happy and proud of them. Um, we won against Argentina and then officially secured our qualification for the Olympics that year. Um, so, yeah, I was really proud and happy for them. Um, and yeah, it was sad that I couldn't be there. Um, but at the end of the day, I was happy that they won and, and we were officially qualified for the next summer. Of course, as you should be, because you went to the Olympics and it's incredible. Um, yeah, it's just a very unfortunate injury. As you said, that's your first one. I think that that's, um, knock on wood, pretty good, I guess, for you considering what you've been doing your entire life. I mean, just one major injury, you know, hopefully that we'll leave it at one and we'll call it there. Um, but you, what, what, how long did it take you until you really felt back to 100%. Like, obviously, as you said, you came back in November, but even you said the rehab and everything around it, gaining strength, gaining mobility, losing fitness while you're pretty much just sitting there. How long did it take for you to feel back to 100%? Um, so I started practicing in November. I played in the international game at the end of November after Thanksgiving. And yeah, I definitely did not feel like my old self in those games. And I would say it took until maybe about like honestly March of that next year until I really felt like back to where I was before the injury, just in terms of confidence and where I needed to be mentally. Um, when you've been sitting out for that long, you're definitely, I definitely felt a little step behind my teammates um, and just, um, just a little bit off and not like myself fully. Um, so it definitely took some time, um, which was, you know, it's a little scary mentally because then you're wondering, you know, am I going to get back to where I was? Um, but 
I tried not to focus on that. And my teammates were really helpful and supportive um, of just supporting me and encouraging me maybe when I didn't have a good day. Um, and yeah, eventually, eventually I finally got back to where I was before. Love it. Yeah. I mean, ankle is pretty, pretty intense ankle, knee, hip. I mean, all that stuff's very important when you're trying to run. Right. So, um, you know, definitely need to make sure that that's doing very well. Um, so you came back, as you said, you came, you, you fully were back in March, you were feeling a hundred percent. And then a couple months later you got to go to the Olympics. Um, so let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, what was it like first off while sitting on, you know, sitting at home, unfortunately, what was it like seeing your team win and realizing like one of your dreams is now going to be, you know, fully come true. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing to finally officially get that Olympic berth for the team um, and know that the team was going to be going. Um, but we actually didn't find out the Olympic roster until about a month before the team would leave for Rio. Wow. So, yeah, so just because the team qualified doesn't mean I was necessarily going to go. That's true. Um, so you still had to earn your spot um, individually, um, which helps keep ultimately it's good and helps keep the training really high because everyone's fighting to be named to that roster. Um, so about a month before the team was supposed to leave for Rio, I found out we got an email from our coach with the list of girls going and it was just like pure joy um, seeing my name on there. Um, just so, so happy. And my family was, was very happy obviously as well. And I'm really proud of me. So it was just very, very exciting. And, just a huge weight off your shoulders as well to know that it's all official. Like the team is going and you've been named to the roster. Um, that so is it was very exciting. That's so incredible. Congratulations. What a cool story. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, could hear it in your voice a little bit too, that yeah, it was, it was truly a, a meaningful moment. Um, so hopefully we can make it too. That would be pretty cool. But um, let's talk about the first one a little bit. Obviously again in Rio, I uh, ended up finishing in fifth and I think, fifth best team in the world at something is is absolutely incredible so congratulations again thank you for representing our country on the highest stage when it comes to sports we really do appreciate that especially someone as smart and as charismatic as you that always helps um what was the experience like there like getting to live in the village first everyone has to tell me about the swag they get because that seems like it was one of the coolest parts of the trip going down to the the airport if i'm not mistaken it was in houston and you get like 1800 pieces of clothing um so i'm sure that part was great but what was the experience like being there with all these other athletes from the united states all the field hockey teams that you, you know, you compete against on a, a weekly, monthly, whatever we want to call it basis. Um, and understanding that this is essentially for all the marbles this year. Um, what were all those experiences like? And what were those feelings? Um, and when did it finally hit you? That one I'm always curious about too. Um, I'm not sure when it finally hit me. I mean, maybe, maybe when we got checked into the village and mm -hmm. just walking around and seeing the world's best athletes everywhere you looked. Um, it was just, all I can say, it was just so cool to be in the village. And I remember I was like in the elevator with Michael Phelps. We had the US gymnastics team living next door to our team um, and just walking around and eating your food with just the world's best athletes. And I just can't describe it in any other way besides it was just very cool <laughs> very yeah. special yeah, was, it was were there any unreal. were there any athletes that you were like i i need a picture with lebron james like it has to get done was, was there anyone like that that you really tried to seek out or just have a conversation with um there wasn't really anyone in particular that i was looking for going in um our team got a picture with michael phelps which was pretty cool um 
yeah so we still obviously have that and yeah. that was definitely a cool one to get <laughs> i like that that's pretty he's a, he's, a, he's an incredible athlete um so definitely definitely worthwhile on that one so awesome yeah i mean it sounds like you had a pretty great time um what was it like also again just being in the village with all the athletes together what was that feeling like just understanding that you're surrounded by some of the greatest athletes as you even said in the entire world and you're all competing for one thing and that's to to bring you know um you know bring the most medals to america that's because the media does say that but really just compete at the highest level in front of however many billions of people that are going to be watching this year um i think it was it was very special to just be a part of team usa um the entire team usa was in one apartment building in the village um so you were always seeing um USA athletes um, coming in and out of our building and there was definitely just a feeling of pride and support from everyone which was very cool um, you know we'd be walking to our games and people would see us being in our uniform and they were wishing us good luck um, which was very special but I think once we got on the bus and drove all the way to the field to me at the field it just felt like another hockey tournament um, I think we're fortunate in our sport that we do have um, a good amount of major tournaments outside of the Olympics. Um, so once I got there, it just felt like any other um, international field hockey event, um, which was, I think, a good thing. Um, so it just was familiar to me and nothing really felt any different. Um, but of course, once you got back to the village, it was unlike any other event I had been at. That is, that is incredible. And what the, 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 actual competition itself, um, as you said, you have major tournaments all the time. Um, and you're playing against a lot of these teams at these tournaments. So what was there a feeling on, like, as you said, it felt like another hockey tournament, but could you tell like anything was different? Like obviously again, competing, it, it's usually what it comes down to is the media and just the more attention. Did you feel any of that at all? Like, uh, and it, and it had pressure or really anything around the games that you were like, whoa, wait a second. All right. There's, it's a little different, just a little different than some of the hockey tournaments that we have. I mean, yeah, it's definitely like not entirely the same as other events. There's a lot more media there, um, a lot more security, things like that. Um, and of course, like the stakes are very high. It's the Olympics. Every team there wants to win. Um, so of course, the level of competition was very high. And I think a lot of the games were really close. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely, um, it's definitely a little different for sure. And again, every athlete there like knows at the end of the day that they're playing in the Olympics. Um, so everyone's really giving it their all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the stakes are definitely higher and the intensity is definitely a little bit higher than the other tournaments for sure. Mm -hmm. And that, and that makes sense. Obviously right. it's just a, it's natural. And I, I do understand what you're saying though. It just felt like another tournament. It was just, you know, your, your team on one side, their team on another, you've played them before. So there's really no, uh, no big surprises, but I do always like to hear, um, you know, that the intensity ratcheted up just a little bit, obviously with everybody watching. So I think that's incredible. So congratulations again, fifth place. That's nothing to try at. I think that that's absolutely amazing. And, you know, again, we really appreciate, um, that what you did by uh, representing us a couple years ago, and hopefully you'll be able to get to do it again. Um, in a couple I mean, in like a week, the 29th, right? The 29th of uh, July is when the Pan American Games are. Um, so you look like you're good this year. So we're, we're, we're crossing our fingers that you're going to be there and everything's going to be just fine. No, uh, no unexpected accidents or anything. So what, um, what are you doing to prepare for the Pan American Games other than hanging out with me for, for an hour on a Monday night? Um, so we actually leave tomorrow for Lima tomorrow morning. Um, 
And these last um, three weeks, we had a really hard block of training um, where the whole team is training. We train centralized in Lancaster, Pennsylvania all year round. Um, but from February until the middle of June, we were playing in the pro league, it was called. So we were traveling all over the world, honestly, um, these past, those past six months. Um, but we had, we just had three weeks of training together in the U S um, really hard, a lot of running sessions, gym, um, double sessions, um, to really just, um, finish up our preparations in terms of conditioning and fitness and just getting those final connections, um, with each other. So it's mm -hmm. very hard. Um, but we all got through it. We're all healthy. So we're excited and ready to go. <laughs> That's all we're worried about. Everybody be healthy and go there and play your best. Um, so this is, this is going to be your first Pan American games, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, um, again, you know, obviously we understand and like, we just have to be honest with some of the stuff. I'm, this is the Olympic podcast. That's one of the, it's one of the biggest, um, experiences and one of the biggest sporting events every two years. Um, but the Pan American games are no, it's, it's not like it's lower competition or B teams or anything. It's, it's the best teams from this side of the earth. Right. So what, um, what, what experience are you expecting to get out of this? And what are you really looking forward to in seeing, again, just some of these teams that you play regularly, but now understanding that the intensity is going to be a little bit higher considering the, the potential of winning means you get to go to the Olympics? Right. Um, I think the competition at this year's Pan American Games for field hockey is going to be really high. Um, I think a lot of the teams in our region have improved greatly throughout the past um, couple of years. And yeah, at the end of the day, the winner, there's a ticket to the Olympics um, as a prize. So all of the teams are going to be giving it their all. Um, so yeah, I think for us, it's just focusing on one game at a time and focusing on playing our game and not getting distracted by what any of the other teams are doing or not doing um, and just focusing on ourselves and making sure we can um, play our game and play to our potential um, in each of our games. I love it. And the potential is pretty good. That's a sweet prize too. At the end, you win this tournament and now you get to go to another one. That's kind of important. So that is, that is incredible. And hopefully you'll be a, a huge, huge part of that as I expect. And as I'm sure the rest of your team expects as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, congratulations again, everything will be in the show notes in case anybody is curious or even wants to watch. I'm pretty sure we have a live stream somewhere that we can get you in front of. So, um, you know, we'll be able to see Kat and, and Alyssa and, and Linnea. And hopefully if I can get anyone on in the next couple hours, cause it sounds like you guys are leaving early. So I don't, don't need to do any interviews while you're over there but congratulations on all that that is fantastic um so yeah and then i guess the last thing i'd love to talk about is is a little bit more about you um so you went to princeton so we know that your degree is pretty darn good whatever it's in um what are what is your next step we're not trying to kick you out of the sport you can hang out here for another couple olympic cycles that's fine but unfortunately with athletes that's always the the case you're uh, biology says you can't keep competing at the extreme high level um up into a certain excuse me, up into a certain age with your sport. So what is the next step for Kat? What are you looking to potentially get into? Um, so my undergraduate degree at Princeton was in sociology. Um, and um, recently for the past two years, um, or excuse me, the first last year or so, I've been pursuing an MBA. I've been able to take online business classes um, while training. And I think that that is the direction I'd like to go in. I'm not sure exactly what, but um, I like being a part of a team. I like working with others. Um, and so far, I've been enjoying my business classes. Um, so maybe something along those lines and maybe some coaching on the side too. Um, 
But yeah, nothing set in stone, but we'll see. Can't leave the sport completely, right? That would be crazy. You can't you can't spend that much time <laughs> at something and then leave it and uh, and and leave it cold turkey. I think that's incredible. Uh, where, if you don't mind me asking, where are you getting your MBA from? Um, so the U.S. Olympic Committee um, has partnered with um, DeVry University, and they have scholarships available um, for Team USA athletes, um, which is um, you know I can't pass up free master's degree. So no, I don't think you can. Yeah, (laughs) that's very smart. Uh, Congratulations on doing that. And pretty soon you'll have a MBA to go along uh, MBA from DeVry to go along with a Princeton University undergrad. I'm I'm sure people will be knocking on your door one of these days uh, to have you come uh, do do some work for them. I think that's incredible. Well, congratulations. One more time. Cat Kathleen Sharkey, USA field hockey, 2016 Olympian, potential 2020 Olympian. We're crossing. Oh, actually, I do have one more question. If we don't make, it's a crazy question, of course, but if we don't, for whatever reason, win at the Pan American Games, is there another opportunity that we can still make the Olympics just in case? Yes. So if if we don't win the Pan American Games there. Which is crazy, by the way. Of course we're going (laughs) to win, right? I can say that. You can't, but I can say it. So that's fine. But just in case, I'm curious, for the other countries that might not be able to win, what what do they have to do? Um, so they will have those teams will have a two game series in October um, and it's a cumulative score for both of those games. So um, a lot of pressure on those two games, but the winner will get a berth to the Olympics. That is intense. Jeez. Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just win this one and we'll let the rest of them figure that out. Um, <laughs> so again, one more time, Kathleen Sharkey, USA field hockey, 2016 Olympian potential 2020 Olympian incredible all-around person princeton grad check out her statistics maybe i'll throw those in the show notes too thank you so much kat i really appreciate it thank you so much thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of our athletes with kathleen sharkey as i said absolutely incredible uh person she had great stories she was very charismatic and we had a really great time having a conversation and uh she seemed like she was having fun, and I definitely did too, so I'm, I'm happy that uh, this turned out well. So yeah, if you could, make sure to follow Kat on all her social medias. Everything will be in the show notes. Make sure to follow the U.S. Um, field hockey as well as the women's national team. All of that will be in the show notes. Some more information about the Pan American Games in Peru and a potential live stream link. If we can get that, that'll be up in the show notes as well, which we're very excited about. Um, and yeah, just if you can, please give this a five-star review on whatever you use. That way, more and more people have the opportunity to listen to this show. I think it would be incredible, and I think that the opportunity for people to listen to these stories and hear all these things that these incredible athletes like Kathleen go through to represent our country at the highest level, I think it's worth it for five stars. So thank you all so much, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.